0: Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. Take our hands. Luke and 19 and Jesus. Entered and passed through Jericho. Now, behold, there was a man there, and his name was Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, and he was very rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up this tree. What kind of tree was it? A sycamore tree to see what he could see. So apparently there's this Zacchaeus, and he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he, and he climbed up. Some of you remember that from way back in the day, Bible story. And he climbs up this sycamore tree to see, and where am I at? Because he knew that Jesus was going to pass that way. And in verse 5. And when Jesus came by to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is what a sinner. Then Zacchaeus said, stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore full, fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to your house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, which has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now... As they heard these things, he spoke another parable to them because he was near Jerusalem and because they had thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So here we have Jesus, and he is passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. A time frame, this is happening just a little before a week before the cross. So he's getting ready, he's getting ready to go up into Jerusalem, he's facing the cross, this is the, towards the very end of, of his ministry, he's going through, he has just finished healing a blind man, and now there's this crowd, there's this crowd following him, and this crowd is full of all types of... All types of people, all types of emotion. There's the man that was just there. He had been blind for so long, and now he can see and he's following Jesus. And so there's lots of cheers, there's lots of hopes, but there's also lots of cynicism. There's lots of people that are following and they're just, they have their doubts about Jesus. There's lots of Pharisees and Sadducees and they're looking, and they're just doing everything they can to see when Jesus makes a mistake so they could catch him in it. And so there's this whole group of people, there is this crowd that's following him full of emotion. And then there's this man that comes by, and his name is Zacchaeus. And he's this small guy. He wants to see Jesus, but there's a problem. There's so many people crowded around that he's not going to be able to see him. And the only way he's going to be able to see him is if he climbs up this tree, which is in the direction which he knows Jesus is going to pass through. And then maybe, just maybe, he could get a glimpse of Jesus. So when I was reading this passage, I began to look at The difference between Zacchaeus and the crowd. See, the crowd is full of all different types of people, all different types of emotion, but Zacchaeus is different. He is like, man, I can't get to see Jesus, so I'm going to climb up in this tree. No matter what it takes, I am going to see Jesus. Now, this is a huge step for this guy. Because he's not only a tax collector, he is the chief tax collector. So this is a man of influence. This is the man inside of the community. He'd have some weight. He'd have some pull. And so for him just to get up and climb this tree is a huge act of humility. He's like, listen, I'm a short guy. This is the only way that I'm going to get to see Jesus. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I'm going to see Jesus. But the crowd, oh, man, the crowd is loving it. The, The crowd is close. The crowd is touching, the crowd's cheering, a blind guy's just been healed. But then there's this moment where Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. I'm coming to your house. And then the tone changes. Then the, the shouts and the cheers go from, yes, Jesus is awesome, to wait a minute Do you not know who you're going to eat with? Do you not know whose house you're going to? This is the chief tax collector. This is a sinner. If anybody that you want to stay as far away from as possible, it's going to be this guy. You want to stay away from Zacchaeus. Do you know what you're doing? So now all of a sudden the Bible tells us that when they saw it, they all complained. So it goes from cheers, it goes from happy. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus has done something that they don't agree with, and everyone is complaining. And Jesus is saying this, look, if you just look and you just just see what you see, all you could do is see this crowd, and all they could do is see the miracles, and all they could just see the hype about Jesus. And they're just looking with their eyes, and they're missing the real picture. See, all they were doing was seeing with what they could see in the natural and Jesus ends with this saying, he said, the Son of Man comes to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, this is interesting because if you were there, and if, even if right now today, there's something amazing about this. There is the recognition that everyone there is lost. Everyone in the crowd, everyone that's cheering, everyone that's looking toward Jesus, they're all lost. But who is the one in which salvation came to their house? Zacchaeus. The chief sinner of sinners, the one that saw something from a different point of view. The one that humbled himself and said, you know what? No matter what it takes, I'm going to see Jesus. And so first there's this, there's this concept that's happening here where there's something that's being seen that's different than something that's actually happening. See, the, the crowd is just seeing Jesus and all they see is him going to eat with a sinner. And what Jesus is saying, look, salvation has come. To this house and so it's not just what they see that has deceived them, but it's also what they hear. So their eyes have deceived them; their ears are also. Because it's, he starts off with, "Now when they heard this, now when they heard this, he spoke another parable." Because they were near Jerusalem, and they thought that the kingdom would appear immediately. So what they're seeing is wrong. All they're seeing is Jesus going to eat with a sinner. And also what they're hearing is wrong, because all of a sudden they're looking, and all they're hearing is, man, coming to just save the lost. There is no recognition of their own need for salvation. That, man, we are all lost and in need of a Savior. See, the difference with Zacchaeus is he recognized that, man, I need Jesus. Some of the, uh, the worst times that you could be is to be lost and not realize that you're lost. Now, any lady in here that's been driving down the road with her husband knows this scenario. Honey, do you, are you sure we're going to make it? I know exactly where we're at, babe. We're going to be there. I know exactly what this road is. Well, what is it? I know this road, and you are lost, but you don't want to admit it. You have no clue. And so, and, and then on the other hand, every man knows that moment when you walk into Walmart with your wife, and then she just disappears, and you're like, uh-oh. And then you think you know where you are, but you're lost. I have no clue where the shampoo section is. And, you know, I've been to the store a million times, and, oh, I'll be right back, honey. No, you're gone. You might as well just sit down in a chair. They should make a whole man section of, like, lost your wife section, and... <laughs> That's where you could find me when you're done shopping. That would be an amazing Walmart experience. But you're lost, and you don't even realize that you're, you're you're looking for this thing, and you're you're looking. And but with Zacchaeus, there's a recognition of man, I am lost. And see, there's this there's also this moment when you're driving down the road, and it just appears to be a Camaro. It just appears to be a Ford F one fifty, and then all of a sudden, red and blue lights start flashing and then there's something else to it and oh man but that's what's happening here with this crowd and that's what's happening with Jesus they're just looking with their eyes and all they could do is just see hey Jesus is eating with a sinner and all they could do is hear with their ears and says, look the kingdom's going to come immediately and then they're missing that salvation is right there among them they're mis- everything that they're looking for is right there and yet, they're missing it with their eyes, they're missing it with their ears. And if we look at the scriptures, Jesus is constantly making this reference of, listen, there are those that have eyes but can't see, and they have ears but can't hear. And so the worst thing is to have these eyes and not see, have these ears and not hear. Be lost and not realize that, man, we need a Savior. And so all of this is happening. Zacchaeus' pride was not an issue. He, he um... Again, you know, this is the guy that's a leader in the community, that's climbing this tree, all because, man, Jesus is coming by this way, and I want to get a look at him. Pride was not an issue. See, maybe this morning some of us have been reaching out and looking for God, but we've been looking for God inside the crowd. We've been looking for God And all the places that we are expected to find him, and God's saying, you've got to do something different. Maybe you've got to climb a tree and get a look at me from a different point of view. And here's the thing, whatever that tree is that God's telling you to climb, it always takes humility. It takes you laying down yourself and saying, you know what, God, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I don't care about this or that, but God, I'll do it because I want to see you. I want to see you for more than just the crowd more than just the Sunday morning church experience, more than just what the pastor's talking about. I need to see you for myself, and I need to know that you have come to seek and save the lost, and this guy right here is lost. And that's what Zacchaeus did. He laid all of his pride down, that that he could just get a view of Jesus. Now, this is important. This is important because it sets the stage for the story that Jesus is about to tell. And he goes and he says this, "'Therefore,' In other words, therefore, continuation of what has just happened. Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And in verse 13, so he called ten of his servants. And he delivered to them ten Midas and said to them, do your business till I come. Now, this is this would what uh, in Matthew 25 is referred to as a talent. It, it would be a sum of money that they would go and they would do their business with. So this Midas is this this lump sum of money that he's giving them to be faithful with. He said, but the citizens hated him. And they set a delegation after him saying this, we will have nothing of this man to have him reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, that he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So the first man comes and he says, master, your man has earned ten Minus. And then he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful in a very little, now you will have authority over 10 cities. And the second came to him and said, master, your might has earned five minus. And likewise, he said to him, you also will be over five cities. But then another came and said, master, here, here is your money back. Here's what you've entrusted to me, which I have kept. And I've, I've put it away in a handkerchief. I've Put it underneath my mattress. I've dug a hole in the ground, and I hid it so it would be safe, is what he's saying. For I feared you, because you are an austere man, a a stern man. You collect what you do not deposit, and you reap what you do not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. And he knew that he was, you knew that I was an, an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have at least collected it with some interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to him who has ten. But they looked and they said, whoa, wait a second, master, he has ten. I say to you, for everyone who has been given, for everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have even that, which will be taken from him. So Jesus goes into this story. And we could read this story, and there's a temptation. The temptation is to think that this story that Jesus is telling is all about this minus, this talent, this parable, this money. And so we could look at it, and we could start talking about how we need to be faithful with the money that God's given us or the the talents that God's given us. But it's so much more than that. It's more than just being faithful with that, because it starts off with this parable about the kingdom. These people that are part of the crowd I've looked on, and remember, they have blind eyes that aren't aren't seeing. they have these ears that aren't hearing, and they're expecting the kingdom to come immediately, and not really realizing that it's right there among them. And so Jesus is talking to this group of people in which he's trying to correct their mindset. And he's saying, listen, these thoughts that you have about the kingdom are wrong. And so let me clarify this through a story. And this is what the kingdom is like. And so there's this certain noble man. This is the God character. And this is what happens. He gives some these talents, these things to be faithful with. And we could begin to read in and think, man, it's all about the talents that God's given us, the, the things that God has blessed us with. And what happens is we spend a lot of time and we spot, spend a lot of energy on things like how to discover your talents, how to discover your giftings. Now, there's, a pro, there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is by the time that you've discovered your talent, your gifting, what God has gifting you to do, um, it's the end of your life. Man, I, I finally figured it out, and then it, it's over. And see, here's the reason for this. I think a lot of us already know what we're talented at. I think a lot of us know the giftings. The problem is we just don't like it. We don't like it because the things that God has gifted us with is different from somebody else's. God has given us a gift, and man, but it's not like theirs. And so we get into this kind of comparison mode that, man, my gift's not as good as his gift. And so we got to search out more, and we got to seek and seek and seek and find and, and, and we dumb down our gifts, and we find ourselves like that servant unwilling to do anything with the things that God has given us because it doesn't match the crowd. It's not popular. And so we sink into the crowd, into the comfort of just the ambiguity of blending in and being normal. We sing songs, we dance the dance, and the next thing you know, life is over. So here's the thing. No one has ever gone up to Michael Jordan and said, You know what, Mike? Great job playing basketball, but your interior decorating skills are terrible. Like, you need to work on those. You know, B.B. King, great job, but we sure would have loved to hear some country music out of you, you know. No, it's not going to happen. But what if he spent all of his time, man, if I could just be this kind of country artist. Man, if Michael Jordan, if I could just decorate my room. No, these are the things that God has gifted them to do. What has God gifted you to do? Have you kind of put it on the back burner because it doesn't match up to everyone else's has God given you a skill to photography or cooking or whatever it is but you've looked at it as man it's just not good enough and we're constantly comparing ourselves because we want to just blend in with the crowd and next thing you know it makes us where we're unwilling to climb the tree We're unwilling to say, you know what, God, this is the gift that you've given me, and no matter what it takes, I'll humble myself and I'll use it. I'm not going to compare myself to others. I'll climb the tree just to see you in a new view. And if we don't, Jesus keeps walking by. See, it takes humility. It takes doing the things that God has asked us to do, no matter what it looks like. It means laying down our pride. And here's the thing about this this story that Jesus tells. It's quite obvious that the master of the household comes back and, like any person, expects a return on his investment. So God has given us these gifts. And to some there's five, and to some there's ten, and to some there's one. But whatever the gift it is, there is an expected that God expect something in return. What have you done with what I've been giving to you? It doesn't matter if you've got 10. It doesn't matter if you've got one. There is an expectancy of needing a return. And see, we have kind of developed a culture that once we've kind of figured out our gifts and what we're supposed to do, it's okay and it's just enough to just believe that instead of actually acting on those things. So Believing and doing become two separate things. And it's okay if we just believe. Believing is enough. And that's not what this parable is saying. This parable is saying, I've given you something, and I expect you to do something and expect a return with what I've given you. Now, there's a translator for um, Wycliffe, which they do a lot of Bible translations, and they do it with all different types of language. And this man tells a story of, uh, as he's translating some of the scriptures into a lot of primitive languages. He said that over 20 languages, uh, real real ancient languages, as, he, as he's translating these scriptures, that the word being, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the word believing and the word doing are the exact same word. Believing and doing are the exact same word in the ancient scriptures, or, or in, in, in ancient languages. In over 20 ancient languages, there was a... a uh, Absolutely knowing that what you believe corresponds with what you do. And what you do corresponds with what you believe. There's no separation. But by the time, even by the time Jesus' day had come around, there was now a very distinct, hey, this is what you can believe, and this is what you do. And this is what you do, and this is what you believe. And we try to separate the two. And the fact is, this portion of Scripture shows us that what you do with what God has given you, you will hold an account for it. And no matter what that gift is, it doesn't matter if you've been given 10, 5, or 1. Because here's the thing about the scripture. Whenever the, the servants are coming back to him, and the, the, the guy that's been given 10, the guy that's been, oh, wait, he's got the most talents. When he goes back, what does the master of the house say? He says, oh, you've been faithful with little. Now you've be given 10. And so there's this idea that even the one that has much inside of the kingdom, that is little. Even when you look to that person, oh man, they're so talented. They're so gifted. They could just, it seems like they can just do anything inside of the kingdom. Man, that's just little. That's just peanuts. And so even uh, Jesus says it with, with John the Baptist, man, you looked at this guy and you think that he is just this amazing prophet. But I tell you, him who in the kingdom is even greater than he. The least in the kingdom is even greater than this guy. And so there's this idea of the kingdom coming, everything that he's doing, the talents and the giftings that God's have for you, even those people that look so talented, it's like it's like it's just one. Ten, five, one. It doesn't matter what are we doing with what God has given us. See, we can't separate what we believe and what we do. We can't separate what we believe and what we do. We can't just go to church, pray a prayer, And turn around and then the rest of the week live as if God's not there. We can't be given these talents. If God's given you something to do and you're not doing it, we are living below our call. And Jesus looks to him and says, look, this is a wicked servant. Give it back to me and then give it to this other person. And if I was there and if I was that guy, I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, there must be some kind of mistake. Listen, I, I haven't stolen from you. I haven't just taken it. I, here, I'm giving you back everything that you've given to me. I mean, I haven't, I haven't wandered it. I haven't uh, squandered it like the, uh, the prodigal son. I haven't gone out. And I haven't done all these things with it. I'm giving it back to you. <laughs> and he's like, man, you've missed the point completely. And see, when I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, God, I wish there was a fourth person in your story. I wish there was this fourth servant that went out and you gave him the talents and he went out and just blew it. Man, I, I tried, Lord, I tried to I tried to make something of it and I just lost it all. I mean, because I don't know about you, but that's how I feel sometimes. Like you go out there and you try to to use your gift, you use your talent, and it's just rejected. Or it's just like, Man, you, you, you took a chance and then you just lost it all and you failed and you're just like, ah I'm like, man, God, I wish that would have been inside of the story and and just to hear But I think there's the realization within the scripture as followers of Christ that no matter what we do, we can't lose. That even when we lose, we win. That as children of God, There's this gift that he's given each one of us. And even if we take it out there, and and Hebrews 11 and 12 says that there there are those that that went out and they were were chopped in half, they were boiled, they were sawed into all these things and not receiving the promises and the world wasn't even worthy of them. There were those that tried to go out and use their gift and to the world's eyes it looked like a huge failure. How often do we feel like that? But even when we fail, we win. That's good news. Because God has given you a talent. And even if you go out there, and even if you begin to use it, even if the world rejects it, as a matter of fact, the world will reject it. We're told over and over again, for those that believe, there will be persecution. There will be those that will come against your gift, the things that God's put inside of you to do. It will be rejected. But you're doing it for your father. And you can't lose So no matter what, the worst thing you could do is take that gift that God has given you and hide it under your mattress to dig a hole and put it in the ground and say, you know what, God? I was afraid to use it. I was afraid to do those things. I was unwilling to climb the tree. I was unwilling to be different from the crowd. I was unwilling. You know why? And this is why, Lord, because I know you. And I know who you are. I know you're a stern man. And I know that you reap where you don't sow, and I know all of these things about you, and it made me afraid. How many of us have that outlook on God? See, this servant had this outlook of, man, this, 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 this God, if I mess up, he's waiting to bonk me in the head. The second I mess up, he's just going to get me. C.S. Lewis said this, the most important thing about you is the way that you think about God. The most important thing about you is the way that you think about God. Because the way that you think about God affects everything in your life. And if you think of God as this mean character that's just ready to get you, this is how you will live your life. You'll live your life afraid. You'll never take a risk for him. You'll take those giftings and you'll hide it under the mattress. You'll hide it into the soil. You'll never climb the tree. And here's what's amazing about this. After all this has happened, Jesus says this, out of the words of your own mouth, I judge you. In other words, it's your own fault. You have no clue of how I really am. And so, and, and, what, and what this guy is trying to say is, he's trying to say, look, Jesus, it's really your fault. Jesus, it's your fault because, look, you are, you're, you're a mean guy. I know that you reap where you don't sow, and I know you do all these things, so I just wanted to give it back to you. And so the reason why I didn't do anything is because... It's really your fault. It's really because of who you are. And I know that's kind of a, but how many times do we take that type of attitude? And we want to kind of put the blame back on God instead of using the gifts that he's given us. And the gifts that he's given us are often different. See, I gave you the ability to teach, and you didn't. I gave you the ability to cook, and you didn't. Maybe I gave you a heart for the poor, but you just kept passing them by. I gave you a beautiful voice, and you never sang. I gave you the ability to engineer and design things, but yet you were too afraid. I gave you the hands of an artist, but you never painted a painting, because you looked and you saw God as a mean God, and he was ready to get you, and you were unwilling to risk. You were unwilling to climb the tree. In this portion of scripture, Jesus is saying, no excuses. There's no excuses. You can't pawn it off on your pastor. You can't pawn it off on your mama. You can't pawn it off on a bad childhood. You can't pawn it off on your boss at work. You can't pawn it off and say, well, look all these things that were get, against me. What has God given you? What God's given you may not look like what he's given this person or that person or me or this person that you, what has God given you? Because at the end of the day, there is no excuses and God is looking for a return on his investment. Now, I know that's kind of a hard, but that, is the reality of the kingdom. Because remember, this whole parable is phased around a story around people that are crowding around Jesus. They're inside of this crowd and they're happy and everything's great and this guy just got healed and there's these wonderful miracles and all this stuff is happening and the crowd is missing it. They have eyes and they're not seen. Who is the one that did see? The man that was willing to climb the tree. The man that was willing to be different. You see, his weakness was really his strength. See, he was a little guy. And that tree, it was really his only option. If if I'm going to see Jesus, this is what it's going to take to happen. And see, some of us, we think that there are these weaknesses in our lives. And God's saying, sometimes those weaknesses are really your strength. Because in your weakness, he is strong. If we would just lay it down at his feet and say, God... With all humility, I'll climb the tree. I want to see you from a different point of view, not from what all of these things I've heard, Lord God. All of my ideas of what what it should be like, Lord, it doesn't matter. I am chasing after you. If you would, please close your eyes with me for a moment. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. All oh, rivers of harmony come to the